last few weeks, I feel like I've been talking about David for years now. I feel like we've been, been talking about, today we're in the last battle of David. And so the last few weeks, David's been in a pretty tough place. If you remember, he, he uh, had an affair with Bathsheba, killed Bathsheba's husband, just a few minor technical difficulties there. His family rises up against him. Absalom rebels, tries to take the throne from him. Eventually, David wins. He brings everyone back together. Israel's a nation again, and then famine hits. Like, ah, oh, just when he gets back on his feet, it's like more troubles, famine hits, and then following the famine, it's the Philistines again. You remember, we've been talking about the Philistines since the very first sermon with David, the arch enemy. They just seem to always be there. And so now they're in a famine and they're in this battle with the Philistines. There's just always something going on in David's life. He's always fighting something, right? Uh, it, Today, I want to talk about that idea of, of fighting, not, not in the, the sense of David. He was a warrior, and that's what he did. He fought. He fought battles, but, but fighting is something in our world is, is different. I, my dad, I'm going to go back this week and see him, and it's actually three years since he was diagnosed with, with lung cancer, and they gave him a diagnosis that it wouldn't even be a year. It was not a good diagnosis, but I remember him saying, I'm going to fight. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep fighting. And here we are three years later, and he's still fighting. And, and I love that about my dad. I love that about, about you and I. I. I know so many people that are fighters. And, and the way I would define that today is that we need to fight to be men and women of God. That we need to fight to become who God created us to be. And I believe David did that. He had lots of mistakes. He did a lot of dumb things. But don't we all, right? And now, David's last battle. That's where we're at. 2 Samuel 21, 15. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. And when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Weak and exhausted. Been there. And I haven't been in the midst of a battle, but I've been weak and exhausted. And we all have been in that place, right? And we're to come back to the spot in David's life where he is weak and exhausted in the middle of battle. But David was a fighter. That's how he's known. I mean, the guy, he, I believe he inspired generations of young Israelites to be fighters, <laughs> to, to be warriors. I mean, just imagine, I mean, David had, he had this whole group of fighting men that were loyal to him. I mean, that, that man, they probably grew up thinking of David when they were, they wanted to be like David. In fact, this, this, these fighting men, you'll find it in, <clears throat> I'm sorry, <clears throat> 2 Samuel 23, a whole list of his 30 mighty fighting men. And these are all young men, men that did amazing feats. Uh, two of them, um, his name is Jashobeam. He used a spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. One spear, 800 warriors. Not, he's tough, thank you, I agree. And so, I mean, just think about that one battle. This guy wasn't someone to mess with. And another one, the one just below him, is Abishai. And he used a spear to kill 300 enemy warriors. Not quite as good, but... That's still a lot. I mean, honestly, you read this and you go, is this a Marvel movie? 
I mean, do these people like, like have all the animation stuff they have now, thousands of people jumping and they just all fall dead as they hit them. And, but this is, this is real life stuff that's happening here. And so uh, chapter 23 goes through this list of all these mighty fighting men and all the things they did. <clears throat> and I can't help but to think all of them looked up to David. David was like the original one. They list things that they did. What would David's have said? Well, I killed lions and bears when I was a shepherd. I, oh, I killed Goliath, the giant. I was the first one to take out a giant. I killed 10,000 people in battle. Saul only killed 1,000. Remember, it was a song. And uh, so David had this resume, and just like these guys did. And, uh, when I was a kid, well, we didn't look up necessarily to warriors because war isn't like it was back then. We looked up to football players, and almost every day at my house, the neighbors would come and we played football on the street. We actually played tackle football on the street. I still don't understand that, but we did. And we, and we, we were never ourselves. We didn't go out to play football and go, hey, today I'm me. I'm Chris Walton. No, we went out. We were Joe Montana or we were, well, we weren't Patrick Mahomes because he wasn't born yet, but I would have been Patrick Mahomes at the time. But well, we were somebody, someone we looked up to, a hero, right? And so you can imagine these little Israelites in their backyard with their toy swords, maybe real swords, who knows back then, but they're fighting with the neighbor kids, and who are they? They all wanted to be David, right? The giant slayer. They wanted to be David, the warrior, David, the king. He inspired these men. And, and one of these fighting men that he inspired, his name was Benaiah. So as you read through chapter 23, all of them have done these great things. And then you get to Benaiah. And Benaiah, his claim to fame later in life was he, was he was David's bodyguard. He was the head of the bodyguard. And so I'm just going to say, if I had a bodyguard, it would be someone like Benaiah. Listen to this. It says, there was also Benaiah, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions from Moab. Killed two of them at the same time. Once armed, once armed only with a club, he killed an imposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. So you've got to imagine this. A spear is a pretty big advantage if you don't have anything but a club, right? And so he had to take the spear from this guy and, and kill him. Benaiah is not someone you want to mess with, right? It says Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. However, there's one thing I left out about Benaiah. Benaiah killed a lion. I don't know why that's so much more impressive to me, but lions are huge, and they're really mean. And it doesn't say... Benaiah killed a sick lion, or a tame lion. Benaiah killed a wild lion. And what's interesting about that is if you go back, this idea that these guys are growing up, right? And they're, they're playing swords in the backyard. They all want to be King David, right? And what was on King David's resume? Well, he killed lions and bears. You remember right before he bought, fought Goliath, Saul doesn't want to send him out the battle because he's just a kid. And he goes, hey, don't worry about me. I'm a shepherd, but man, I've killed lions and bears while I'm tending to the sheep to protect them. And so David was not any pushover. This guy, even as a kid, as a shepherd, he, he killed these wild animals. And so I look at this and I go, I wonder if Benaiah, with this in the back of his mind, David killed lions. And I'm kind of getting this resume together, but this one thing is missing. I got to kill a lion. And so I don't know how it came about, but I imagine, and my imagination is 
can be kind of far-fetched. It, it says this in verse 20. This is all it says. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. So that's all we have. Now I'm imagining Beniah with his buddies. They're all out talking about their exploits and how tough they were. And they're walking, obviously, through the snow. And they've got some sort of sandals on. Their feet are probably cold. And when my feet get cold or my hands get cold, I get kind of wimpy. I don't know about you, but I don't think about fighting anything when I'm cold. Because they're walking through the snow, and, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, there's a lion in front of them. Now, if we saw a lion in person, you don't see many in San Diego unless you're at the safari park. If we saw one live and in person with no fence in front of us, we would be terrified. I mean, just, just looking at them, there's this place in, in Kansas, our zoo, had this glass wall that you could go into this little tunnel, and there the lion's exhibits were. And these lions were bigger than us, and you could see the muscles. Their teeth are enormous. And, and so here you are, out in the wilderness, walking with your buddies in the snow, and you see a lion. You and I, we either try to outrun our friends so they get eaten, or we freeze, right? I'm going to do one or the other. I'm going to first look and see if I'm faster than my friends. And then I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to freeze. I'm going to hope the lion walks away. I'm going to do something. But not Benaiah. And, and again, I wonder if he thought, here's my chance. And he takes off after this lion. And I'm just guessing the lion was probably thinking these, these guys are going to run. And all of a sudden, he's being chased by Beniah. It probably shocked the lion. He takes off running. Beniah's after him. They're running through the trees, jumping over logs. is after the lion. And somewhere in this running through the snow, the lion falls into a pit. I don't know if the pit was there on purpose. I don't know how the pit got there, but the lion's in the pit. Now, what I would do, I would run up to the edge of the pit, and I would flex and go, oh, look at that. Look what I did. I just chased a lion into a pit. you guys see that? And I'd write it on my resume that, look, I chased a lion into a pit. But Maniah chases the lion into the pit, looks down at the lion. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a trapped animal. It could be a skunk. It could be anything. But if they're trapped, they're angry. And I'm just going to guess that lion was not laying in the pit just kind of taking a nap. He was angry. And now he's, he's up against the wall. He's, he's in danger. So he, Benaiah jumps into this pit and he kills the lion. Now, that's crazy. <laughs> really, when you stop and think about it, it's nuts. But that's who Benaiah was. And I'm just saying, David inspired this generation of men to be fighters. To, to do these heroic things. Why? Because he did them. And they wanted to be like David. And, and I believe these men not only knew that David was a warrior, but he was also a godly man. He, the songs he wrote, you can read it in there. And I believe David inspired this generation of men. And not only then did he inspire this generation, but David was wise enough to surround himself <laughs> with these men, right? If you want a bodyguard, get Benaiah, right? If you want protection, get yourself surrounded by these fighting men. Because now David's old, and life has really kicked him around. I mean, he's gone through some rough stuff that we talked about, but David was always a fighter. And even in his old age, he still 
fighting that we started with. 2 Samuel 21, 15. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. And when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David didn't have to be out there. <laughs> but he's still fighting with his men. It says David became weak and exhausted. Whew. Life does that to you, right? <laughs> Obviously, in the midst of battle, David was older. He is weak and he's exhausted. You know, the first time I, I read this, I immediately thought, I wonder how many times in the midst of fighting or in the midst of all the stuff with Bathsheba, in the midst of all the time with Absalom trying to, trying to take over the country, if David, David ever thought, I wish I was out with the sheep. <laughs> I wish I was still a shepherd. And just, because he had to be so exhausted, Right? I look at Psalm 23, and you think, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And I'm just guessing when David wrote that, he was longing for that time, right? That simpler time when he wasn't wanting things. Because you really stop and think about it. Once he wanted to kill Goliath, once he wanted to become king, once he wanted, once you start wanting, all of a sudden a lot of problems come along with that, don't they? David's rise to fame, becoming king. You can see all the things and just the exhaustion that comes with it, the stress, the, the darkness sometimes. Yet here he is in battle with his mighty fighting men. And it says that a man that <clears throat> was a descendant of a giant, his bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds and he was armed with a new sword. So not only did he have a spear, but he had a sword. And he had cornered David and was about to kill him. So here David is in his last battle with the Philistines. And ironically enough, a descendant of a giant, possibly Goliath's descendants, kind of ironic, right? His, his fame started when he killed a giant. It's the first we know of that killed a giant, right? And now here he is in the midst of the battle about to be killed by one of these descendants of a giant. But in verse 17, it says, but, but Abishai came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. Here David is weak and exhausted, and when he needs one of his fighting men, <laughs> they show up, and they fight for him. They fight with him. They get him to a safe place. They rescue David. And you look at this, and you go, man, I love this. I love it because David was a fighter. And a lot of times when you're a fighter, you don't think about surrounding yourself with other fighters, but how important is it to have other people around you that are willing to fight with you and for you? See, David was wise enough to know he couldn't do it on his own, that he needed help. And so he surrounded himself with men that were fighters and men that had a heart for God. And we all need this. <laughs> we all need it. I, I don't know if I always knew how much I needed it. When I was in Bakersfield, I was a youth pastor. I, I started an FCA group at one of the local high schools. FCA is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so, so the athletes in the school would come at lunchtime, and, and I would talk to them or someone else would talk to them. But we met every Friday at lunch. And there was two lunches at this high school. And we had to meet in the coaches' classrooms. And so... 
I, I went there and didn't know any coaches, and I met these two coaches, and they said, yeah, we can, we can do it in our classrooms. One was Nick, and one was Rich. And over every Friday, I'm there in the classroom with these guys. We became really good friends. Nick, Nick and Rich, one was a football coach, one was the golf coach. And after a while, these guys said, you know, I, I really, I don't have anyone to talk to. You know, I go to church, and then I leave. I don't really have anyone, uh, and I just, I need people to to talk to. So we decided, hey, let's let's get a group of coaches right here on campus, and we'll meet once a week. And so we started doing that. And there's there's four of us that attended regularly. Some came and some went, but there was four of us. It was Dave, it was Rich, it was Nick, and it was me. And every week we got together, and man, it was amazing. I mean, within the first week, we're sitting there talking, and, and all of a sudden one of them goes, you know, I, I can't just go through the motions here. I, I got to tell you. I'm struggling, and my marriage isn't good, and, and we're fighting, and, and there's all this happening, and, and then the next week, there's another one, and another one, and man, we grew so close, and we met together for years, and every week, we would gather, and it became my favorite day of the week, because we were there together, and I always now, I viewed myself as the pastor, right? I didn't have any issues. I'm there to help them, and so so... That's how I viewed it most of the time. But I knew that these men were there for me. I knew that they were fighting alongside me. And I believe that every single one of us, we need people in our lives. As we fight to be men and women of God, as we fight to be who God created us to be, we need other people that are in our corner. We need people to encourage us. (laughs) And when I talk about fighting... When I talk about, hey, I'm not talking about battle. I'm not talking about war. I'm talking about, man, if we're going to fight, it means you don't quit. (laughs) Whatever it takes, you keep moving forward. Even when life is really difficult, even in the midst of the struggle, you don't quit. If you're going to keep fighting, you've got to keep growing. Even when it's really dark and it's really difficult, you've got to keep seeking him. And sometimes... It doesn't feel like God's there, but you keep seeking him. You keep fighting to become men and women of God. You keep fighting to be who God created you to be, and then you have these these warriors, these fighters with you. I believe David did this really well, and we see it here at the end of his life. And there's this psalm that he wrote that's not in the book of Psalms, but it's right here in, in Samuel. And I don't know why it was put right here where it is, but I feel like it goes so well. You've got, you've got David in battle, and he's weak and exhausted, and someone has to help him. And then the very next verse, we have this, and just in the first, in verses 2 through 4, just listen to this. Listen to what David says about his God. It says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield the power that saves me and my, my place of safety. And he is my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. Just in those few verses, listen, he calls God his rock, his fortress. He calls him his savior, his shield, his, his refuge, his place of safety. He says, God's the one that saves me. And what is God? He's worthy of praise. That's a whole bunch packed into just a paragraph, right? 
And it's powerful stuff. But that's who David was. Did, did he make mistakes? Oh my goodness. So many. It, but that David lived just one life. I mean, he lived the same lifespan that you and I are going to live, most likely. But he lived one life, and yet, what a life he lived, right? I mean, we still talk about David. Do you know David is one of the most preached about people in the Bible, other than Jesus? I mean, 3,000 years later, we still talk about him. Even at the peak of Jesus' ministry, as he's coming into Jerusalem on the donkey, what are the people saying? Praise the son of David. <laughs> David was this, this hero. He was this person that everyone looked up to. Why? Because he was perfect? No. But he had this heart. He had this heart for God. And even when he was tired and exhausted, he was always looking back to God. David, over 3,000 years later, we still see him as a great king, as a great warrior. I'm just going to say in 3,000 years, there's a really good chance no one's talking about me. Probably a couple weeks after I die, no one's going to be talking about me. But David, 3,000 years later. But listen to this. He was a giant slayer. That's a, that's a big deal, right? And yet he was almost killed by a giant in his last battle. He had to be rescued. He was a mighty warrior, yet he was weak and exhausted. He was a hero, yet he was a failure. He was all these things. But no one becomes great without failure, and no one gets to the top without being knocked down. And what made David great is that he was a fighter. Not with a sword, but he was a fighter because he wanted to be a man after God's heart. He wanted to be who God created him to be, and so he fought for it. And we can all be Davids. <laughs> Many of us in the bad ways have been Davids, right? But we can all be Davids. We can be Davids in the good way too. Well, David writes this song of triumph and praise in verse 22, and I, I started with it, but just going through here, there's, there's God is our security when we are afraid. In, in those verses, it says, he rescued me from my powerful enemies. From those who hated me and were too strong for me, they attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. God is our security, even when we're afraid. God is our light when it's dark. For me, I think of depression. I think of being in those tough places, but God is our light. It says, oh Lord, you are my lamp. The Lord lights up my darkness in your strength. I can crush an enemy with my God. I can scale any wall. And I love how David, David could take credit for being a great warrior all on his own. But he was always pointing to God. God enables me. Number three is God is our strength even when we are weak. And it says, God is my strong fortress. He makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for, bat for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You've given me your shield of victory. Your help has made me great. Again, your help has made me great. God is our strength. And then God is our hope, even when things seem 
hopeless. David writes, the ways of death overwhelm me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God for help. And he heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. God is our hope. And what I love about this, he writes this desire, this love, this this triumph in God. And then chapter 23 is about his fighting men. It's like the men he surrounded himself with. And we all need those mighty men and mighty women in our life. People that are for us, that are loyal to us. People that will fight with us, that will have our back. People who point us back in the right direction. (laughs) How many times do we need that? David needed Nathan to come along and go, Hey, man, what are you doing? doing the wrong thing you need to go back to God we need people to point us back I told you about the friends my my coaches group we met every week and it is interesting I I went to it with this intention that I'm connecting them I'm helping them (laughs) and then all of a sudden I went through this horrible situation in the church that I was in and it was it was a place where man I I didn't know what was going to happen I, it, it was just a place of, of darkness, and it was a place I couldn't say anything to anybody. I, I wasn't allowed to talk about what was going on, and so I was holding all this in. And I remember I was with the coaches one morning, and we were talking, and all of a sudden, I couldn't hold it any longer. And I just started crying, but it wasn't like this crying. It was sobbing. It was like I been holding it in so long and it just burst out of me and as I sat there sobbing I couldn't even tell them what was going on all they knew is that it was bad and all of them these big strong men got up and they put their hands on me they just laid their hands on me and in that moment It's what I needed. I needed someone to fight with me, to fight for me. We all need that. We all need men and women of God. They're going to fight alongside of us. We all need to keep fighting. (laughs) We need to, to be men and women of God, strive for that. But sometimes when we are weak and exhausted like David, man, we need someone that's going to fight with us and for us. Dean's going to just sing over us here. I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to sit. If you want to come to the altars, you're welcome to, or you can just sit where you're at. But Dean's just going to sing a song over us. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that as we hear this song, as we're reminded of your love for us, that you fight for us, we praise you for that. Lord, I pray that you'd meet each one of us right where we are, right where we need you most. Meet us there.
I will fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. So as we're reminded this morning of when we are struggling and when we are facing our battles, that God sees us in the storm. God knows where we're at. And he is willing to fight for us because he knows us and he loves us. for our friends. We thank you for those men and women. 
Lord God, that stand with us. We thank you for this church. I pray that we do that for each other. We just pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. You are dismissed.